You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Carrot and Blues. Have a listen. This is part two of my conversation with Brent Brannan from Atlanta, Georgia, a fan of his hometown team, Atlanta United and the Mariners. We finished part one discussing how soccer in the US is still relatively new. So many fans of Atlanta United were not football fans before the club formed three years ago, three seasons ago. And so they are learning about the game as much as they are learning about the club. Does that That's make right. sense? Yes, it does. Because, I mean, actually, compared to football in the UK, the game, I suppose, is a relatively a new thing in the States, isn't it? That, that's very right. You know, in the United States, if you are a, a young lad or a lass, you know, you're primarily going to be drawn to American football, baseball or basketball, the, the three biggest sports. That was one of the Rowing. questions I had. Sorry to interrupt again. Right. That was one of the questions I had for you as well. Why were you attracted to soccer rather than NFL, basketball, ice hockey, whatever? You know, tra- traditional uh, sports that are kind of wired into right. the American tradition. So my childhood, I grew up, um, our, our family was big on athletics and sport. Yeah. My brother and my sister both grew up playing football. I had the opportunity to try gymnastics, which was a, a massive failure. Um, some of the videos um, that are hidden away at my parents' house, I wish they would be burned <laughs> because it, they're embarrassing. You see no future. And and then I, I tried baseball, basketball. I tried wrestling. But there was something about football that excited me. I think that we often use the, the term the beautiful game, but there's something special about football working as a unit. You know, you are a team on the American football field or a team on the basketball court, but something, I'd I'd say that football is very similar to rugby in that aspect where there is a constant motion. There's a constant movement. And whereas you don't have the goals or as many points as in hockey or another sport, there is that sense of anticipation, that groaning, that yearning. And that's what's special about the stadia in, in England is when the ball passes midfield or into the final third, you can see the spectators start to get out of their seats. There is this this like yeah. building of emotion, and it it is it is celebrated or it's released. And I don't know. I think just from an early age, the excitement of playing proper football was something that I wanted to be a part of. And you know, I had dreams and aspirations of playing yeah. in university. And unfortunately, I had a, a very um, bad knee injury, and, and my, my anterior cruciate ligament was torn. And I, I'm fit today. Um, I'm still able to to run, to, to play recreationally, but you only have so many opportunities. Mm. I I met when I was doing my religious studies in seminary. I met somebody that was playing fourth tier uni- university football for a, a small college n- near my seminary, and he had played in the Newcastle Academy with Andy Carroll. Oh yeah. So he, so he was on the same trajectory through the academy yeah. as Andy Carroll. And he had a very bad injury and he got out of football for maybe a year or two years and then he was behind the curve. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that a lot of fans in the United States don't realize about English football or European football is the enormity of the football pyramid. 
you know, in, in Major League Baseball here, you have different leagues and, and teams and, and a system with different levels. In football, in the football pyramid, you have 13 levels, 14, mm-hmm. 15 levels. Mm-hmm. And so you have players that go for trial or are a part of the academy in the Premier League. And then they may find a club in the championship, League One, League Two. Or you may rediscover yourself in non-league. Jamie Vardy is a fantastic example of somebody yeah. who yeah. started at such a low level. Yeah, Stocksbridge Steels, he, he started at. I think it was all, he, need, all yeah. he needed was a chance. Yeah. Or somebody, the opposite direction would be Julio. Yeah. Somebody that played at the <laughs> highest level. Yeah. And I remember reading about how he found South Shields, and it's so... Bizarre, you could not make up the story unless Mm. it had happened. Mm. I think what you found is that Julio, what made him special, my understanding is that he was never too big for the club. No, His class, his talent was undeniable. The club still miss him today. He was the quintessential midfield general. Yeah, yeah. The the calming force. Mm. And if he had wanted, could have played at a higher level. Mm -hmm. But he, he chose to give years of his career to a, a community and a club that needed someone like that. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's incredible to read about the impact that Julio had for South Shields. I, 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 I hope that Atlanta United will have one day a player like that. I don't know because the nature of the club is to buy players and sell players. And yeah. so, you know, Miguel Almoron was the most popular player at the club. And a lot of supporters did not understand why he needed to leave. Um, and that and that's part of learning about football. Yeah, how players is. develop in their ambition. Mm. Miguel always knew that he was bigger than Atlanta United, but when he played for Atlanta United, you know, he played for the crest. He did not play for himself. And no. Julio might embody that better than anyone I've ever seen before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you were talking about football being a beautiful game and how particularly those new to the game, and there must be a lot more in America than there are over here, obviously, because you kind of grew up with it here. But, I mean, I think football, unlike other sports, it gives much more room for flair, artistry, creativity, movement. Yeah, and it's just, whereas other sports tend to be a little bit more regimented, I don't know, it's just my view of it, but I think there is a reason for it. It's just, it's an international language. It's universal, isn't it, really? I've traveled to uh, four different continents for for academic study and also ministry work. I often say, you know, one of my proudest achievements is I've scored a football goal on four different continents. <laughs> um, I've played recreational football, not professional, but among friends, you know, in, yeah. in Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Mexico... Kenya, Thailand, and of course the United States. And, you know, I I remember playing in Kenya, and and we were playing outside some of the slums in in Nairobi, Kenya, and there were two players sharing one set of boots, one on each foot. The ball was not of Nike quality, you know, it did not have all of its air, but the joy for just being able to share the experience of the game was something that you could see was so contagious or... Again, the language that we speak with our mouths is often not as important as the language we speak with our feet. <laughs> and and yeah. you spoke about that earlier. You said, at first I was reluctant to become a, a committed fan of South Shields because I was worried about the quality. I was worried about the club, 
how they conducted themselves. I had all of these questions and reservations. Yeah. But once I saw with my eyes what they were doing with their feet, something mm-hmm. that you may not be able to as astutely understand with the radio broadcast, it was something that you wanted to be a part of. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and again, you know, when you say, what is the beautiful game? And I, I guess it is just that. It's something you can see on the faces of the players as much as what they're doing with the ball. I, I'm proud every time. <laughs> it's almost like when when an NPL goal is shared on um, on BBC or Soccer AM or one of the major channels, yeah. it typically is a South Shields goal. Mm. And I'm sure they're thinking, not not this lot again, you know, what have they done? But I, I think that those highlights are great, but I think that also, like we're saying, there are as many highlights that you don't see on the pitch as off the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you see, oh, no, not, not, not sell shields again, but it does seem to happen <laughs> with increasing regularity. Of course. Yeah, and, and uh, that's, and that's another was... thing that keeps the fans there because you never know when that next one's going to come along and you want to be there right. to see it. When I went to see South Shields play at Warrington Town, yeah. um, South Shields did not score a goal. No. During warm-ups they did, but not, of course, during the match. <laughs> and... I don't look back on that experience saying that it would have been any better if they had scored a goal. I can't speak highly enough about the community and the culture of the club because while those goals are are nice, they're not what truly define the club. You know, no. it, it it is a result of the ambition and the quality and and the, and the technical setup with with uh, Fenton and Picton and the job they do during training. But of course. You want you ultimately also want to be proud of what the club represents, not only those little pieces that they see those. Well, I would I would almost say once in a season, but it's almost once every month with South yeah. Shields, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, um, or three or four times a season at least. There's a, a what you call a worldie. Yeah, a worldie. Yeah. yeah. You know, with Atlanta United, I remember two seasons. Uh, it was the uh, the first season we had goal of the season. Yeah. And it was a match winner against our rivals. And there's a team from Orlando called Orlando City. And geographically speaking, it's a manufactured rivalry. Initially, they had been a team longer than we had. Um, they've never defeated Atlanta United, which is a source of pride. Now, one of the things that um, Americans love, maybe as much if not more then the English is banter. Maybe being even a bit disrespectful. But what Atlanta United did is they were so confident they would win the match going into Orlando that they put an advert on the highway in Orlando and it said, Orlando, we're coming to conquer you. We're coming to win. It was like a declaration of intent. It's like you have a lord and he sent an emissary to the enemy to say, hey, I want you to know we're coming. And we're not coming to play, we're coming to win. And of course, once you do that, you have to win, right? And we oh, did. yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't, you look like the biggest but, mug in the world, don't you? Right. But to score a goal in a match like that against what you would say is your rival yeah. is even better. And, and so, again, like you're saying, you want to watch, you want to follow because you don't want to miss out. Mm. You want to see it as mm. it happens. Mm. And there's nothing like it. As you say, seeing a clip on Soccer AM or whatever, it's right. good, but it's all you're going to get. And I didn't rediscover that love for football until I started going to South Shields. I'm sure I would have found it to a certain extent to any other non-league club, but it's certainly Mm -hmm. different. It is one of my greatest joys to bring fans of football, but not necessarily Atlanta United, to experience 
the, the, the club to experience what we're trying to build. And I think one of the things is that, you know, sporting tickets in the United States, they can be quite expensive, mm. um, same for the Premier League. So I haven't done the conversion, but um, my season ticket price per match is, is 30 US dollars. Mm. So I think that's maybe 20 to 25 pounds. About that, yeah. Uh, I think that's much, much less than some of the Premier League clubs because it I is. think it's quite expensive. Yeah. And so what what I do is, you know, when I when I speak with my friends, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to, you know, just ask that you pay the same price I paid so I can, you know, cover the cost of the ticket. But I want you to come experience this with me. And recently I put a post on Facebook and I said, hey, the season is starting. You know, we have 17 home matches. If you are interested in coming with me to a home match, I want you to let me know because I want you to experience, mm. not see on the television. I want you to experience walking with me to the stadium you know, getting something to eat, getting something to drink while we're waiting for the match to start. Because, again, like you said, I think it was Daniel Prince who be, did the marketing initiative to get more families and get the school That's children right. from. Yes. And I think it's phenomenal because, uh, one, it's brilliant because the, the children can't come on their own. Their parents have to pay as well. So it's very smart. It's like, uh, you know, putting a, a children's film together because you get yeah. two tickets. You know? It's very clever. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that that's so important because mm. this generation of younger children, they like to play FIFA. They like the goals. They like the Barcelona, the Real Madrid's. South Shields is no less of a football club than those other clubs. No. And so if those children only understand that the glitz, the glamour is, is what is worth following, then they really lost out on something very important. So mm. I, I'm very hopeful that these recent initiatives will not only boost attendance, but they'll boost an understanding in that younger generation of what does it mean to experience true football yeah. without losing anything else? And that's so important. The club have taken time to do that. It is. I mean, when I first started going, it was a strange experience because obviously the two big clubs on Tyneside and Wearside, which are probably only about, ooh, about 20 miles apart, Newcastle United and Sunderland. Over the decades, as long as I've been on this earth, there's been that fanatical rivalry between the two. Right. So one of the other, one of the secondary things I noticed when I went to South is I was standing next to, on one side, a Newcastle United fan with a black and white shirt on, and on the other side was a Sunderland fan with a red and white shirt on. It was a right. leveling, a leveling factor, and it was wonderful. Right. But the right. point I was wanting to make is that. Um, I don't live in South Shields and haven't done for 45 years, so I don't see what's happening in the town. But um, especially when we'd won the Vars and we were doing well the season after that, you now see boys and girls around the town wearing South Shields shirts rather than a Newcastle or a Sunderland shirt, right. which I think is, is good. But yeah, the initiatives in the schools are, are perfect because it gets the fans from birth virtually from a very young age right and it also very cleverly brings the parents with them and they think actually this isn't too bad i might come next week as well right right i think that that idea of investing in the next generation and again this goes back to the the outline we we, we did at the beginning of our conversation about what it means to build a culture mm. what it means to create a sense of community where you belong because I think that ultimately when you go see Arsenal play it's an exciting experience it's a massive venue it's architecturally impressive but you're you're just a number yeah you're just a pound sign yeah when I remember 
talking a little bit about my experience when I went to to Warrington um, to see South Shields away. I remember getting out of, of the cab and I had my Atlanta United kit on, so I stuck out a little, <laughs> maybe a lot. <laughs> but I I remember thinking I belong here. Yeah, I, oh, I, nice. I was invited in. Um, just you know, grabbing some some chips and a sausage. Um, that's one thing that's very different is the food at our matches. I wanted to make special point of this. Yeah, <laughs> something that Atlanta United have done is they do have higher priced food items and concessions, but they have very affordable entry level food. So, for example, you can get a, a hot dog for under two U.S. dollars at the match. Wow! You can get a beer for like five dollar U.S. Yeah. or a slice of pizza for like three dollars us it's they've made it very affordable because i think what they realized is that the parents that want to bring their children it's not simply paying for the ticket but you have all these other expenses that yeah. can be working against and so they've, they've been very careful to do that but um i remember you know that sense of community beforehand because i, I didn't know any of these people i had talked to them online i had talked to um to, to Daryl, um, I had seen Daryl Denton, yeah, and Lee, Lee Hewitt and Allison, and met Nathan. Uh, you know, there's I know that Nathan Nathan recently had his 18th birthday That's party right. at Marmons Park. I saw yeah. the pictures. Last weekend, it yeah. looked maybe leave the dancing to the professionals, the singing to the professionals, <laughs> but 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 a, but but a fantastic time, and immediately <clears throat> felt that sense of family. The, the the pitch at Warrington was not you know. The greatest quality. Yeah. The concessions they ran out. I got a Twix candy bar at halftime because they had nothing else. Oh dear. But again, like you're saying, the, the kids that are coming, they want to be welcomed. When I came, I felt welcomed, and so I, I can imagine that the first time people are coming to Mariners Park, they're experiencing something like you said. Whether I'm in between the sets of supporters, whether I'm meeting somebody for the first time, it doesn't matter. It matters that I'm there. Exactly um, right. What is it? And I'm sure some of the, the other NPL clubs ask themselves this. What is so different about South Shields? Whenever South Shields travel, almost always see the fans say, you are the best traveling supporters we've ever welcomed at our club. Mm. Bar none, flat out, here's your fake fourth place Arsenal trophy that does not <laughs> exist type of thing. We want to recognize you and reward you for your conduct. Mm. And that's no different at Mariners Park. And, and, and you start to ask yourself, well, what is it about South Shields that is so different? What is it that sets this club apart? They play football. They've got the same number of players on the pitch. They've got seats in the stands. You know, they serve tea, maybe a sausage roll. What is it? And I think that we've, we've we both described that sense of culture, like uh, that, that family atmosphere. It is. I, I think there are one or two other factors as well. You'll know for, and by the way, Bob Ray is a lovely guy. I spoke to him um, just a few weeks after I'd started going, because I, like you, wanted to know all about the club. Right. And two hours I was talking to him. He's a lovely guy. Right. But what I learned from Bob is that uh, South Shields Football Club really has quite uh, a glorious history. I mean, we're going back 100 years now, though, unfortunately. But you know they were playing the likes of Chelsea, Man United, Spurs, West Ham, etc. Over the years, a series of yeah, financial shenanigans, etc. And just fell by the wayside. So there is, I think, uh, a basic thirst for success that Shields have had before. But not only that, the two big clubs, Sunderland and Newcastle, um, have 
Newcastle a bit more than Sunderland because they've fallen by the wayside good and proper in the last two or three years. But they haven't had the success that they've had on Merseyside or in London or the two Manchester clubs. And I think there's just a thirst and a hunger for football success because it is a really a footballing part of the world. But um, I think there's a sense that we could be putting that right. We could be restoring the balance. <laughs> Might be a bit romantic, but there you go. I uh, was speaking to my season ticket representative from Atlanta United on the phone before my trip last yeah. September. And I said, I know that the club's done a bit of marketing. I know they have a lot of um, promotional items available. Do you have anything left over that you wouldn't mind sending to my house, my home address? I'd like to take some items to Europe for my upcoming holiday trip. I'd mm -hmm. like to um, exchange some of these items, give them to fans of a team I follow. And, and the man on the phone said, what team are you going to see? Maybe, you know, I'm familiar with them because, you know, in the front office, you know, they're, they're football fans just like we are. I said, well, do you have a few minutes? I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you a story. And that is a conversation that I've repeated many times, Terry. Yeah. Somebody says, why South Shields? I ask myself the same question. <laughs> it could have been any team that scored the same goal, and I would have been down the rabbit hole chasing this passion of following teams and, and growing into a deeper love of the beautiful game. And, and it always requires time because I think, like, like you were saying, there's so much history to South Shields that even I'm not aware of, yep. you know, with the relationship with North Shields and the back and the forth and the fighting. Almost you would say the reclamation of an identity. But I can never tell the story of how I became a fan of South Shields without saying, do you have a few minutes to spare? Yes, I'm it's sure. It's going to require yeah. a story to be told. Yeah. But like you're saying with South Shields, and that's what I learned from Bob Ray, there's such a rich history of the club. There is. It's not simply, hey, we had some money, we spent it on players, and now we're relevant. There's been the up and the down um, so many times. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And then, and then there's a, an Atlanta United flag at Mariners Park. Have you I know, seen I it? saw it last week, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine the looks it gets. But what's unique about that flag, if you pay special attention in the stripes of yeah. the flag, you'll see the names of cities from Georgia. What they did is they took all of the neighborhoods, the boroughs, the cities where the fans are from, and they built the names of the cities into the flag. Oh, wow. And, the, and so if you were a season ticket holder, you received the flag, and it was a way of showing the collective identity. It would be like if South Shields made a flag and every season ticket holder's name was on the flag, and you could look very closely with a magnifying glass and see it. So I thought that was a, um, a, a nice gesture to leave something because you can't buy that flag. You had to receive the flag. Um, I don't have a replacement, unfortunately, but I wanted to leave something. And so I have a, a Saima branch South Shields flag. I, I could go find it, but I've taken pictures with it at yeah. different sporting matches. I know. I think I saw one on Facebook quite recently. Right. I'll, I'll have to have a closer look at the Atlanta flag the next time I'm up there then. When people ask me, again, why South Shields? What investment do you have? Why are you proud of the club? What ownership do you have? What connection do you have? I think that because a lot of times what happens is in the United States, uh, they use this term bandwagon fan. Yeah. Um, or a plastic fan. You know, you yeah. you have attached yourself to the, the forward momentum, the success, yes. you know. 
If I see anyone wearing Manchester City shirt, I'm going to guess they've only become a fan in the recent years. And I, yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where I don't get to watch all the match highlight videos. I don't get to watch all the matches even live. You know, only bits and pieces. But yeah. it's something you can be proud of. Look at something like South Shield, and you realize that if you took away all the money, if you took away everything, that the club would still be there because the people care about something more. And I think that I can't say enough. I know we've talked about it repeatedly, but I can't say enough about how what I see in South Shields is special. It's contagious. I see how the other clubs in, in the NPL are envious, not just of the South Shields success, but of the commitment that Jeff Thompson has to the club. They look at how could possibly two managers work, you know, Fenton and Picton. Uh, how could that work? How could a player like Coolio... How could he commit himself to the club for so long? What is it that they have that we don't have? And I think you realize that you become something truly special when other clubs try to emulate what you've got. And I think that South Shields are finding themselves in that special place where clubs are envious, not just of their success, but what has created that success. It's, it's like saying, now you've got the trophies, you've got the talent. I wish we were more like you. But I think more and more clubs in the NPL are saying, you are the crown jewel of non-league football. You are everything that we want people to know about what we are and mm. aspire to be. Mm. We wish you well. I, I don't know, aside from the occasional Scarborough fan or maybe somebody from Farsley, if I've ever seen somebody say, I wish that South Shields would lose, the lot would go away, we'd never hear from them again. No, I'm sorry no, to inform yeah, you, but that's not going to happen. No, I think we're no, it for isn't. A long time. I mean, yes, I mean, but, everything you say is correct. Clubs do really look up to us, but there is a lot of jealousy. You mentioned Scarborough there, particularly. We have a thing, I think it's almost unique to Britain. We have what they call a tall poppy syndrome. Do you know what I mean by that? No. Uh, tall poppy like syndrome is the higher the poppy, the more people want to chop the top of it so it's the same height as everything else. It's just a lot of people don't like success because they think there must be some extra reason for it, like Jeff Thompson's helicoptered in with massive bags of money, etc., etc. So there is a bit of that to it. But I think by and large, the majority of clubs that we come across are very pleased to be our friends. Mm -hmm. which is not something you often hear in football. I was traveling back from Warrington uh, to Birmingham, and I got on the, the train, and the part of the train that I was, I was filled with West Brom supporters. Oh, yeah. I've never met a West Brom supporter in my life, but I, I learned very quickly, they're not very fond of Aston Villa, no. <laughs> not too fond of Birmingham City, but I'll tell you what, they were lovely. They offered me food, they offered me drink. They offered me the seat that I had reserved, um, thankfully, because my, my legs were quite sore from standing all day. Yeah. And in the space of an hour, I, I almost said, wow, I want to be a West Brom supporter. And it was so contagious, you know. I think that a club like West Brom, if they are promoted, maybe have a little bit of that as well. You, you see how, whether they're promoted or not promoted, if Shields are not promoted... You know, God willing, they will be. I think that it will be difficult to catch Farsley, but I think promotion in the playoffs is very realistic. I think because, so, yeah. Because, as I understand it, there is the automatic promotion spot, and then there is one other promotion spot, yeah. correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, uh, the you problem know, so is though, nothing, it, nothing is guaranteed. No, it's complicated slightly because um, only the number one slot gets guaranteed promotion. 
the four below that playing playoffs to leave one club. But then there are leagues at the same level as ourselves, but in different regions of the country, Correct, Midlands, yeah. South, West, etc. They will all produce a one club. So then there are what they call super playoffs between right. those four or five clubs. So it's not as they've made it as complicated as you could possibly have done, Brent, to be honest. Yeah. So really, that's why people are saying we need to be champions because basically knockout matches, anything can happen, you know what it's like. But it's not the end of the world if we don't get promoted this year. It would spoil a nice, neat fairy tale. But I think we'd be just as keen at the beginning of next season and have the same number of people come through the turnstiles as we will have at the end of this one because the momentum has been built up and the relationships between fans and club and, and fans with each other have really been reinforced. Yeah, it's, it's something where, you know, Atlanta United went to the playoffs the first year. They lost to Columbus Crew. The goalie for Columbus Crew, um, Zach Steffen, was recently signed by Manchester City. Oh, yeah. I don't think he'll play soon, but it was a crushing defeat. You know, the first season, you're looking to, to, to shoot for the moon. What do they say? Shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you'll end up among the stars. So <laughs> we were very ambitious. Um, second season, we won the MLS Cup. Um, didn't win the Supporters' Shield, which is the title that they assigned to the regular season points yeah. winner. Um, actually lost the, the, the points title on the final match day of the season which was frustrating. But now you say, where do we go from here? What's left to achieve? Well, of course, you win the title again. That's quite nice. It, we, we've got the CONCACAF Champions League tie against Monterey. We, we lost 3-0 the first leg. The, the second leg is this Wednesday. Uh, yeah, and so that, yeah. they were losing 1-0 until the 80th minute, and they conceded twice after the 80th minute. It was like you, you're a runner and you're, you're running the marathon and you can see the finish line and then you trip over your shoelace and you fall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've almost made it. But, you know, I think that there's a lot to be proud of right now for the MLS. Um, you see a player like Wayne Rooney. I oh, he plays for for DC his, United, doesn't he? DC United. Yeah, for yeah. all of his imperfections, he scored a goal last season. Yeah. The goalie was not in the goal. He had come up, I believe, um, for a corner kick. Yeah. And the opposition were breaking. Wayne Rooney ran flat out maybe 60, 70 yards and made a, a tackle to save a goal just past halfway. Immediately stood up on his feet, gained control of the ball, dribbled down the right side of the pitch, whipped it across to the box, and assisted the game-winning, the match-winning goal. If there is anyone who ever doubts the intentions of the player and his work rate, show them that goal. It was fantastic. Yeah. What you're seeing now, before, the MLS was a retirement home. David Beckham, Zlatan, Nani recently came to Orlando City. Yeah. I wish nothing but the worst for him there, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You're seeing more and more players who are looking at this as a developmental league during their formative years, some of their prime years, rather than a retirement home. I think that will be interesting to see with South Shields as well which is there will come a time when other clubs are going to notice what South Shields are doing, higher-level clubs. You know, let's say Carl Finnegan was 5, 10 years younger, and yeah. he's scoring like he was. Mm. Somebody is going to phone Jeff Thompson and say, I want to put an offer in for mm. him. What will it cost? And I think that will be very interesting to see 
because you have to buy new players. You, you reach kind of a level where the players can achieve only so much. I'm very interested to see when that happens with South Shields because there will become a time when they won't be promoted. It can only last so long. Oh, yeah. It's like a fairy tale. When, when that time comes, what, what is going to happen to the identity of the club? Will the club say, all right, we've taken one on the chin. We need to work harder. We're going to double our work rate. Uh, will they sign new players? I know that last fall they brought in, uh, was it Muanda into yeah. the midfield? He's not done quite as well as I, th- I, I think people thought he I might. I think he's got a lot of promise. I know that the managers have still right. got a lot of confidence in him. I think we will right. see a lot more from him. And so I, I'm very interested. If you ask me, what are you most excited about South Shields? I want to see the starting 11 like two seasons from now. I want to see who is still in the side. Mm. I, I don't know what will happen with South Shields because you know some of these players. What what are are they are they a a, a step one player or a step two player? It would be very interesting to see how the play changes yeah. within the t- squad as well. The important thing to remember about South Shields is that until they get, I don't think it's even the next step up, I think it's the one after that, all of our that, players are part-timers. Part-time, yes. They all yes. have jobs, which is right. why to do a full-time job, work during the day, and then have to get on a bus and drive for two and a half hours and play football and come back... That can have an effect. I mean, today's game was almost, um, I think there was a pitch inspection at 9 o'clock because I think it was waterlogged pitch. It went on, fortunately, but I was thinking, I really hope they play this because if they don't, it's going to be a midweek game when all the guys have been to work. So there is that. But I think the other factor about seeing what the starting lineup looks like in two years' time is that we've got a tremendous academy at the moment. That's correct. Who are Absolutely. virtually sweeping the board. It's an under-19 academy. Obviously, there are years coming in underneath them as seasons go on. But um, they split the squad into two and played two games in their relevant leagues and won both of them. I think one was 7-1. I don't know what the other the score was in the other one, but it went to penalties. Now, the remarkable thing about it is that in the one where it went to penalties, the keeper um, saved three of them. And in the game where uh, we won 7-1, our keeper actually scored the second <laughs> goal. And it wasn't a you know, last-ditch effort, come up for the corner, you might as well, because we've got nothing to lose. It wasn't. I don't know what, what happened, but he was an outfield player at the time. Sorry, that's a long way around saying we've got a very, very strong academy. They are being taught to play by Lee and Graham in the same style that the first team plays so they can easily slot in. In fact, Aaron Thompson was in the starting lineup today. He's a, an academy player, and I think we're going to see more and more of that as the, the seasons go on. So I think I, it, ideally it's going to be a blend between experience and, and youth, really. Right. I think that that's going to, You mentioned how there are more and more youth walking around Tyneside. Um, well, the, South the Shield, Newcastle, particularly, yeah. And, yeah. and they're wearing South Shield kits because yeah. when, when you look at the football pyramid, all players are born with an ambition to ascend as high as they possibly can. Yeah. And, and then they ultimately find a home. And I think that, like you're saying, it's very special that not only have South Shields been quite lucky to some degree but also quite justly rewarded for their efforts to receive successive promotions. 
but that did not come at the expense of only focusing on the first team. They've they've got a no, ladies team, that's right, and, and then that's also right. the academy as well. And so, yep. what Jeff has done is is highly commendable because it's, it, there's not a singular focus that has received all of the attention and the resources. You know, it's something that you can see is well thought out. It is um, detailed minded, and the long view is in mind. Project EFL. Four, there would be four promotions in a row, right? Uh, three. Three, three We'd in a row. need to get right. promoted this season and the next two seasons. So three years at the very minimum. That um, To meet ground uh, regulations and all that sort of thing for the higher league, we do need, and there are plans afoot to uh, build a, a bigger stadium more or less on right. the same site, which all costs money, obviously. Um, it'll be a three and a half thousand seat stadium, which sounds nothing compared to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but you know it's, it's right, progress. Right, 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 right. So there's that as well. Yeah, four or five years is probably near the mark. You walk into Mercedes-Benz Stadium and you feel small. Mm, I bet you do. You know, yeah. um, it's very vast. You have what makes it unique is if you're into photography, you know that there's a unique silhouette to the aperture of a camera. Mm. You know, with with the lens and the shutter, and they've created a closing mechanism for the roof with, I believe, eight different pieces that simultaneously close. Wow. So rather than there being two halves to the opening, there are multiple pieces that move in unison to open and close. It creates the illusion of there being a camera. And so below that opening, they have a circular halo video board. It's the, I believe it's the largest in the entire world. And it provides a 360-degree viewing line of sight for any fan in the stadium. And so you can look up during the match, you know, occasionally um, with the supporters section, with the flags and everything that's going on. I have to look up at the board to see what's happening because I can't see the pitch yeah, with all the, yeah, the, the yeah. movement. And that's also following the goals. One of the things that the supporters section, it's quite a costly habit. But after every goal scored by Atlanta United, Many of the supporters in that section, they throw their cups of beer in the air and create a bit of a um, beer shower. You know, it's a bit frenzied, (laughs) which can be problematic when a goal is called back for VAR. (laughs) Because you lost your beer then. Now now you're a bit sticky with some beer. You've just spent the money. You've lost the money and you've lost the goal. I think that VAR is good. It gets more right than it gets wrong, but it's still highly controversial as yeah, well. Yeah, it is, and I don't know what it's like over there, but when there's a VAR decision called, yeah, it really interrupts the flow of the game. I know there are natural stoppages right. in a game, but it seems to take them forever to come to a decision. Correct. I think that you know, most recently in the Champions League, you saw that with Man United yeah. and, and Paris Saint-Germain. It was quite controversial. Terry, it's been a pleasure. Um, Ellie is going to get let yeah, outside I bet she um, is, yeah. to, to, to um, relieve herself, and hopefully she hasn't um, made a mess anywhere in the house. Uh, I know that you say, um, up the Mariners, you know? Up the um, Mariners, I yeah. Think, I guess we would just say, I don't know that we really have a rallying cry. We have the, the hashtag is unite and conquer. That is the, um, the phrasing. Uh, 2017 was our inaugural season, and so they say the 17s, are like the, the the army of the supporters. So it's ah, like the twelfth man. Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, because I saw that in in the stuff I looked at. I saw the seventeens, and I thought that must mean twenty seventeen. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah to the, to the, well, to right, the well, I'll kind of formally sign off now, and I'll say just thanks very much, Brent, for the chat. I really enjoyed it, and I hope it's given you an insight into a little bit of South Shields. Cheers.
It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to celebrating across the pond with you when South Shields attain another promotion. It'll yeah. be a great day. Definitely something that I'm looking forward to sharing with um, all the fellow Mariners, you know, closer to home. Yeah, well, it'll be lovely to see you back over here again and hopefully a better result than the last time at Warrington. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, right. up, up the 17s. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. My thanks to Brent for his patience and we hope to see him at a Shields game in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can say Julio Arca. Hey!